Welcome to Toastmistress's Podcast, a show about events and becoming the best host that you can be. Cheers to you, listener. Santé! Hello, bonjour, everybody. This is your host, Shay Moi. I hope that everyone had a lovely May 2-4 weekend. Whatever you got up to, whether it was camping, relaxing, renewing, cleaning, the limits are endless when it comes to weekend activities when you have three days to do so. I am so pleased that this podcast has now reached its third episode. And today's episode is featuring a guest that kind of you know, follows the continuity of what we've been doing here. So the first episode, I had someone from St. John's. The second episode, I had someone from the Ottawa Valley. And now this third episode, I have someone who is from the St. John's area, but now lives up here in Ottawa with me. Is she a stalker? I don't know. However, I am so excited to have this guest on with us today. And without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Here goes the swiftiest woman this town has ever seen. She's having a marvelous time, sickening everyone. Love is more than a one-trick pony. From costuming to drama to that unforgettable mug, she knows the art of drag all too well. In 2022, she was in a getaway car to embark on a new love story in the capital city, Ottawa. Love hosts the coveted, highly attended show featuring Taylor Swift songs back home in St. John's. And here in Ottawa, she's doing fine. She's on some new shit. An IG queen, a TikTok fiend, her video promo skills are like none other. Currently, this icon is participating in the competition at the Lookout Bar, Ottawa's next drag superstar. Long story short, it is a pleasure to introduce her to my podcast, Love the Drag Queen. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. It's such a pleasure having you on my podcast. Yeah, I love podcasts. I listen to your podcast when I'm at work, so happy to be here. Oh, it just passes the time away, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And you get to learn so much about the people that have been guests on my podcast, and now you're a guest. So the future listeners are going to get to know a bit more about love. (gasps) Love. Love, you have a CV that is so long. You have been doing drag for about three years now, right? Yeah, it'll be three years in September. Three years in September. What do you remember yeah. about those first days as a drag artist? I remember being anxious. Uh, <laughs> that didn't go away. to throw up. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. That sticks with you, but um, it drives you as well. So yeah, no, it was fun and exciting and really life-changing for me, so. Absolutely, drag has the power of changing lives. And that month that you had debuted, I think you came to one of our shows at Velvet as well. Yes. Yeah. One of my first shows that I was watching, like knowing I was preparing to do drag myself, but watching you and I believe a few other local queens. I can't remember. I know Mia Moore was in the show, but I can't remember who else was in it. But I I do specifically remember the two of you in it. 
Yeah, we had the ball to end them all. You were joining in the... that's what it was. Yeah, so you were joining in the drag community as we were fresh off the heels of the media controversy that had happened that summer because people made their own decision to come down and watch us on the street and then people got mad and they went on the news and then the ball to end them all happened and it was me and Mia... Fashionista Jones, Betty, that was the cast because I remember like the photo we had, everyone's wearing masks. Masks were the worst thing for yeah. drag makeup. Can we take a moment? Oh, moment of silence for our lipstick. Our lipstick. So oh my god, the f- the foundation on the nose. Yeah. The humidity that just Oh, it was just not it. And then we had the mingle masks. The little yeah. plastic one. And like the everyone was like ones. running around St. John's trying to find the mingle mask. It's like, I got them at Hallmark. Like, <gasps> I found them at Canadian Tire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I didn't find those great either because the makeup would rub off your chin then. And I was like, there's, it's just not made for us. And we weren't made for pandemics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We, you know, they're trying to eradicate us. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. They'll hopefully... That was the straight agenda. <laughs> Literally. Oh my gosh. It was quite a wild time and then you came onto the scene what was your first show oh my i don't remember the name of the first show but it was at velvet and it was shortly after that show that the ball to end the mall that you're referring to was very shortly after that i believe right Um, but yeah i think it was just like a silly title i don't think it was i know ava ray was in it because ava ray was really supportive uh when i started because we were friends so uh yeah she really encouraged me and i think roxy cotton was in it as well oh yes yeah i'm remembering this now and yeah and then it was just up and up from there for you right yeah Yeah. a fun adventure yeah and then an expensive adventure starting drag is hard on the wallet once you're in it it kind of stays neutral but when you start oh yeah Oh my gosh. One thing that you introduced to the drag community in St. John's and it caught like wildfire was Maddox Creations. Yes. So I found out about Nicole. So I was working in a building before the pandemic, but I had a coworker there and I knew she made her wedding dress. And I knew she was in the cosplay because I used to go to her cubicle and see them all in their costumes and just be like, oh, Sailor Moon. I love it. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, I'm starting drag. I'm wondering if you know someone who can sew a costume. And she was like, oh, yeah, I have this friend. Reach out to her. Here's her Instagram. And yeah. And from there, it was history. And Nicole does fantastic work. Incredible work. And you look at the IGs of queens and artists in St. John's right now, and you see her credited so often. Yeah. Yeah. She's very popular among the girls. Yeah. And that was all you, girl. <laughs> yeah. She's done so much for me and a lot to like thank her for because sometimes I have given her a kind of a crunch of a timeline to get a bodysuit in or or something else. And she's always worked with me. So very grateful for her. And you folks have collaborated just as recently as when you went back to St. John's the other month, right? Yeah. So I went back in March for my nephew's birthday and to do um, my Midnight's Taylor Swift gig there. And I didn't bring any drag with me, any costumes. 
I just went and she, I had my orders months in advance because I knew I was coming back for this show. And I was like, I'm not bringing anything. Like, it's just what you're making. So yeah, worked with her on that. Incredible. And the looks were yeah. turned. Yeah. And I knew I didn't have to bring anything. I could just trust her. I knew it would be done. I knew it would be perfect. So I just put my trust in it and, and she slayed like I knew she would. Amazing. And to have like faith and security in other people's work is such a comforting thing. Yeah, it really is. Because we live in a world, and I feel as drag artists that there's a lot of lack of dependability. And you kind of just have to do your own thing and hopefully that it's working out. But to have that really concrete and know that it works out, then that's like a really good feeling yeah. as a human. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I have other orders in with her now. So, because <laughs> I'm going back again for my brother's wedding. So uh, I was like, gonna do the same thing again it's easier i love it now we'll get into a bit of these conversations uh in a little bit but before we do so what are you toasting with us this evening love so i picked up this wine that i never had before but it was 12 dollars, and i love cheap pinot grigio Mm -hmm. um and i picked it up because i thought there was a dinosaur on it but um, I thought it was a duck-billed dinosaur, but it's a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> and I kid you not, I picked the bottle up for that reason. And when I got home, I was like, oh, this is Australian wine. <laughs> so not a duck-billed dinosaur. <laughs> it does. It looks like a duck-billed dinosaur. I would love to hear. No, I see it. I, I could see it. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What? stories came in your mind for thinking that that could be a logo for wine i thought it was such a great branding idea i was like oh there is no dinosaur wine good for them you know (laughs) (laughs) i was so happy about it um but now i feel like maybe i should make dinosaur wine because they're missing out (laughs) yeah dinosaurs need more visibility (laughs) (laughs) yeah really especially duck bells so so that's what i (laughs) yeah i've never had it so I'll tell you how it tastes. Oh, did you have a sip yet? Oh, or should we no, toast first? No, I waited. Mm. Yeah, I waited. I had a, a little glass of just some Heineken before we popped on, but... Pop off. Yeah, we're from Newfoundland, so we mix... Double fist. We don't care. <laughs> it's like, I'll drink anything. Oh, my. Okay, so I am going to be cheersing to you with Screech. Ah! <laughs> hmm. Not Screech. Not Screech. Oh, my let's, curse. <laughs> let's cheers together. Yeah, I can't wait to try this fake dinosaur wine. The Moi Dynasty is growing. For this episode and all future episodes of Toast Mistresses, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming to the podcast my drag daughter Anne Moi, as she does her segment entitled One Minute Sommelier. Each week, the wines will be paired with either the host, the guest, or whatever Anne Moi chooses, because it's her segment and not yours. So, without any further ado, let's listen for what Anwa has to tell us this week with her edition of One Minute Sommelier. Thank you, Shay. Today, we're going to talk about Pinot Noir Rosé. 
The example I have is from Red Till Vineyards in Prince Edward County, which is actually just a few hours away from Ottawa. So Pinot Noir Rosé. Let's talk about the Pinot Noir, then we'll talk about the Rosé. Pinot Noir is sometimes called the heartbreak grape because it's notoriously difficult to grow. But my favorite description comes from American wine writer Madeleine Paquette, who said that Pinot Noir is the diva on the grape runway. Going on to explain, and I'm quoting here, it's considered sensitive and temperamental, but when it's at its best, it can make for a very sexy glass of wine. Normally, white wine grapes have green or yellow skin with a yellow flesh. Red wines normally have red skins with a red flesh. Pinot Noir is fascinating because it has a red skin and yellow flesh, which means if grapes could do drag, Pinot Noir would be the master because it can be used to make a red wine, a white wine, or, like today's wine, somewhere in between. And that brings us to the rosé part. When a red wine is being made, the skins will sit in the pressed grape juice for days to weeks or even months in some cases. The amount of time the skins are in contact with the pressed juice, in the case of rosé, can often be measured in hours, just long enough for the skins to impart a pale pink hue. Okay, so... I just poured myself a glass of this wine, and the first thing you notice is its beautiful color. It's a pink so pale that there's a golden hue to it. it. It's really a great color. On the nose, this wine is quite expressive. There are definitely notes of red fruit like strawberry, but interestingly also peach and tangerine, and there's definitely a floral character there. On the palate, I find it does come off more as red fruit initially, strawberry again, but when that first wave of flavor gives way, what you get on the finish is again a peach flavor with some orange citrus. What I love about this wine is that unlike some other rosés, there's not a cloying sweetness. It's dry, it's crisp. This would be great on a patio on a hot day or at a drag brunch. Cheers. Yeah, it's good. Wine's good. We just love wine. Oh, fun fact. The only thing I drink in wine is Pinot Grigio. I will not drink anything else because anything else makes me have to pee. And I am like corseted and taped and like everything is in and once i'm in drag i'm not getting out right. so pinot grigio i can drink a few glasses and not have to pee anything else it's over for me it's game over i gotta go home <laughs> yeah book show is over um <laughs> and probably because pinot grigio is dry like a dry kind Maybe. of wine Maybe. i don't know i'll defer all I that do like <laughs> i do like a few ice cubes in it though because you know a girl's got to stay hydrated. That's true. <laughs> I used to razz my mom for putting ice cubes in her wine, but I think I was just being a bit too snobby. So I won't do the yeah. same for you. I People... love, well, I didn't have any ice, so it's not happening today. Oh, no hydration. Uh-oh. No. Oh, my. So while we were coordinating this 
meeting this evening so we could do the podcast together, I realized that I have not changed your contact name in my phone yet. So I was getting messages from Cornelia. Oh, no. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about your rebranding. It's quite a topic on people's lips. Like, what inspired love? Where's Cornelia? Is she in the room with us now? Yes, I'm still the same person. Let's be real. I obviously love the name Cornelia. It's obviously a throwback to Cornelia Street by Taylor Swift, the song. But I don't know. I had no intention of changing my drag name. But I was working at it at the gym once. And it just came to me and I was like, love, that's such a pretty name. Love, that would be a nice drag name. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it just popped in my head. And I think the reason is if you listen to the song Cornelia Street, it's about a relationship where somebody is feeling like they could never walk that street again because of all the reminders of the relationship that they were in. And I think for a really long time, I was probably in a place like that where I had reminders of things that just made me more sad than happy. And I didn't feel like that anymore. And I don't feel like that anymore. Like, and the only reason um, I don't feel like that, I do think drag is a big part of it. And through drag, I kind of loved myself more than I ever have before in my entire life. And I was happy with myself. And I think the self-love just took over. And I was like, this is it. This is it. This is how I feel. And I don't, I don't care. I want to do this and I'm going to do it. And I think it's also a really good message to send out to people um, to be kind and love people and treat people with respect and courtesy as well. And I just think an amalgamation of all of those things. And is this what Kelly Rowland meant when she said love takes over? Perhaps, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Something happened to me. But yeah. And this came to you in a gym while in Ottawa or back in St. John's? It came to me when I was home doing the midnight show. I was working out at the gym. And so I moved away. I came home and experienced all the things that I have been experiencing, um, like throughout my personal life and whatnot. And was just like, oh, these things don't really like affect me in the way they used to affect me. And I'm just like, I wonder why that is. And I was like, it's just love. Like, that is it. I think there's a really important note there as well, because they talk a lot about like when you're healing and on your own journeys and stuff that you cannot heal in the environment that you were like, quote unquote, sick in. So if you were right. feeling those things in that environment in which you, you know, made your drag to the point where it was before you moved up here to Ottawa. Perhaps when you went home, it was like, oh, I'm not this girl anymore. You had no. some perspective. You you took, you removed yourself from the environment in which you had those feelings. And then when you went back, it just didn't feel like you anymore, I guess. Exactly. That's exactly it. It was just really refreshing and nice. And yeah, it's just coming to Ottawa and being accepted uh, so quickly and kindly. And I was so anxious. I was I thought I may have to give up drag. Um, I don't know anyone. 
the girls here are really, really good at what they do. So I knew that it was a risk I was taking, but something that I wanted to do anyway. And when I was accepted so kindly by everyone, it just made me feel good about myself. I just felt good. Really happy that I found a city that I feel safe in. Yeah. And a great time for a rebranding if there ever was one. Yeah, it was planned to happen before the announcement of Ottawa's Next Drag Superstar. I did have that planned. You know me, I love a countdown to an announcement on my Mm -hmm. Instagram. It's what I do. I can't help it. So that's what I did. And a lot of people and I did it in a way where a lot of people thought I would announce the Taylor Swift lover show. And that was on purpose. Yeah. And of course, there's an influence there as well. I'm still like, I'm connecting to that album still, just not a song about being sad. Yeah, you did like the bait and switch. Yeah, more (laughs) about just being happy, you know? Oh my gosh, so important. And I know that you are also a therapy queen. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hear it. Work on yourself. Oh my gosh. I I listened to like another podcast and they were talking about how they wanted to be on like the million dollar matchmaker. And on the million dollar matchmaker, you have to come up with like a list of like 10 non-negotiables. And essentially they were like listing a whole bunch of things and like consistently it was like needs to be working on themselves needs to be in therapy therapy is so important for people and then i thought as well for myself i was like i think that i want that in a partner as well can't be just one person doing the work i agree i definitely wouldn't i wouldn't say that um i look for someone to be in therapy in a partner i'm not like are you in therapy no (laughs) goodbye (laughs) but you have to have some sort of um growth in you or willingness to like want to learn and better yourself just as a human being. I think that's really important. That is essentially what we want in the whole world, right? We want to grow. We want to learn. And she has been growing and learning here in Ottawa, as have I. And of course, love now sticks and runs through the Taylor Swift overarching idea and influence behind your drag but also it's like a new avenue because love is everywhere in pop culture cornelia street was very taylor swift am i correct in saying this as well yes yeah it's taking it and just like i can do other things taylor swift is what i love to do it's what i'm good at it's what i enjoy most out of anything else that i do in drag but it's I'm just a step away from it while still being able to do that and also be my own sort of drag persona. It makes me think now we first collaborated together back in January of 2021. It mm-hmm. was a very fun show. I am very much a producer. I like my my shows to have a a theme and then something to run through it that's very literal and you know also you know teasing that out a bit so I did a show called and the award goes to it happened the original weekend that the 2021 Grammys were supposed to happen but it got delayed Mm -hmm. by a week and you were in it as Taylor Swift I was in it as Adele Betty was in it as Celine. Mia was in it as Lady Gaga. 
Misty was in it as Ariana Grande and Lorinda Mood, who also made their debut that evening, was Whitney Houston. And what a fun show. It was a fun show, and it started my Taylor kick. (laughs) That was the start of all of it. Because when I started drag, I remember Fabian, DJ Fabian, for anyone who doesn't know, a local DJ back home in St. John's, coming up to me and saying, oh, how much Taylor Swift are you going to do? And I was like, people don't want to see that. People don't want to see... I didn't think people wanted it. So I ne- I did the odd song, but I would never do what I do now. And then when you asked me to do that, I did it. And I felt so, so good that that was it for me. It was over then. It was over then. You started this monster <laughs> and she is not going anywhere. What did I do? <laughs> I know. You've unleashed me on onto the world. Oh, and we had a fun time as well because I did... Well, one of the facets of the show is because I love all the dynamics that lip syncing has to offer. I get it. Everyone does like singing and stuff on stage, but I love a good spoken word lip sync as well. I think it's yes. really the paramount experience of being a lip sync artist because it's like breath work it's muted it anyways so i got the speeches to happen as well you did yeah and i had a speech in there as well from taylor yeah and then i had you have a speech as well with me yeah yes (laughs) yes and then you were like crawling up the stairs because it was like a throwback to like the 2009 vmas where But I can't even remember what... I was devastated in real life, just as I was acting. I was just... (laughs) That wasn't acting. I was devastated. How dare you interrupt me, Kanye? It was just method. It was so method. And it was... Yeah, it was so fun. It was a good turnout. I had 3D printed Grammy Awards. You did. Oh my God. Yes, you did. I think I had it right up until my move here. And when I was packing, I think it broke. And then I was like, okay time to let go but like amazing for it to have lasted that long it did no yeah i had it the whole all those years yeah i had it for two years yeah oh my god two of the people had like the trumpet break off like the night of (laughs) oh really no no mine held up it was very um well preserved and you made sure to take care of it with utmost care yeah which i really appreciate and um so i created a monster you then got the kick to really lean into that because as well as drag artists i feel that we have this undue pressure to be consumed generally i think we need like i had this idea of myself as well when i started doing drag that it had to be palatable for everyone and don't get me wrong like that's still something that's important and upheld within drag but you're allowed to go down these alleys of niche stuff that makes you you. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that too. And I feel like I'm not a dancer. I'm not a trick queen. It's a little more theatrical what I do and a little bit at times autobiographical in my song choosing because I think it's easier to connect to the song if it's something that you connect to in your personal life and it's easier to perform and people get it. Yeah. But if you channel into what your strengths are, and I think those are my strengths, then then people see it and they like it. 
for sure. I also am not a trick queen and not a dancer. We no. probably in our future will have struggles with this if we make it to any kind of show pro- platform. But we know yeah. at least what our downfalls are. But uh, you're a killer lip syncer. You are a phenomenal storyteller. And that is crucial aspect to being a drag artist as well. Well, thank you. I do like to tell a little story before I go into a song. I love it. I think it's classy and fun. And uh, everything I say is true. Oh my gosh. It, like if I'm on that mic and I'm telling and I'm being vulnerable with an audience, it's true. It's real. Yeah. It's how I do it. So it's what I like to do. And it's so much for so much easier for us to be vulnerable in a wig <laughs> than it is to be oh, vulnerable yes. in real life. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to tell that story out of drag. Absolutely not. No I way, know. are you kidding me? And no, thanks- I need a wig on and five-inch lashes. <laughs> Thankfully, we're in drag here now chatting, <laughs> so we can also be vulnerable with each other. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> we're just so shy around one another. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you and I are... Con- going to continue doing stories together because now we're here in the same city and eventually i remember when i remember and it's in the show we were talking about you told me you were moving to ottawa and i was like i want to move so bad like i don't know if i and we even had a conversation about it so it's crazy that when i moved it just happened to be like the same city that you were already in oh my god like i'm not stalking you (laughs) Um, it's a bit but, sus. But... I know, it's sus for sure. But but... The... <laughs> Go ahead. I don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, because I was thinking, I was like, okay, I started drag in 2019, you started in 2020. I moved to Ottawa in 2021, you moved here in 2022. Like, there's a, an interesting I pattern know. going on here. I know. Am, I, love. am I a sociopath? Who knows? Am I love? <laughs> <laughs> am I the love? Oh my. Okay, so we're just going to take a quick break and listen to a message from our sponsors. And we'll be right back after that. Toastmistresses is proudly sponsored by Display Rules, a mental health awareness clothing company that starts conversations and stops the stigma. 20% of all profits made go towards mental health organizations in Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find them online at Display Rules on Instagram or www.displayrules.com. Go check out their stuff. They have a lot of amazing apparel and clothing that would make for a lovely gift for yourself or others. So go check out their website. This is a dear friend of mine and I definitely don at least 10 articles of clothing that I have acquired from them over the years, and they continue doing great work. All right, folks, so I took some time during that break to go into my phone, change Love's contact information to get that <laughs> up to date. So now I'll just have my Love texting me, where whenever Love decides to text little old Shay. <laughs> <laughs> It also fits for that, um, like my love, you know, my it's love. very newfie. Yeah, my love. Yes. Yeah, it fits. <laughs> and yeah, everyone needs a little bit of love. Love goes a long way. Love will lead the way. 
love (laughs) is everything. You know, it's just the, the limits are endless with love. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of love's, I would say, hallmark moments so far in your drag career, you have been curating some fantastic shows back in St. John's that have been Taylor Swift themed. So what keeps the crowd coming back for more? What do you put into these shows? My idea with these shows was not to be like a Taylor Swift impersonator because that's just, I don't look like her in drag. I don't look like her out of drag. I wanted to do something more in line with an interpretation of her style and music, but dragified in a way. And I didn't want, even when I message people for the shows, I explain it's not an impersonation, it's your interpretation. So choose songs that you connect to and that you always wanted to perform and maybe didn't think you'd have a chance to perform because the standard of drag is, you know, more yassified than perhaps all too well 10 minute version do you know what i mean yep (laughs) so yeah that was my idea with it and so i think it is just fusing the two together and finding that rhythm and it took me a couple of shows to find the rhythm i do look back on videos of the first show Mm -hmm. and i do see how i've i've changed for the better with how i do the shows yeah and So I started, the first one I did was just a Taylor Swift drag show. You could choose any song you wanted out of the entire catalog of music. And then the second one I did was through QC events with Crystal Queer. And that was at the Salt House. And we did three brunches. Mm -hmm. And the last brunch was absolutely at 6 p.m. in the evening. But we called it a brunch. (laughs) We called it Taylor Swift brunch version. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Again, you could choose any song that you wanted. And I thought, I can't keep doing this because then it's the same thing all the time. People are going to choose the most popular songs, Love Story, those ones. Do you know what I mean? And then I got the idea of doing just albums. Mm -hmm. We're doing every song in an album. Every song has to be done. So everybody hears their favorite song in that album. And you can't do anything outside of that album. That's such a good idea. Period. And the theme, because she's so specific with her albums and the aesthetic of her albums, what you wear should match the aesthetic of that album. You don't have to go buy new costumes, but maybe don't wear your rainbow suit at the red version. Maybe wear your, you know, red bodysuit. Things that make sense. Like really obvious, like color scheme is a really big thing. Um, in her marketing. So that's how I wanted to market the shows. And so that's what I did. So I did the red one first. And then I came back and did the Midnight's one. And that went over really well. Yeah. So, yeah. And you like flew home for it. <laughs> I did. Yeah. You're like I, a um, traveling artist. Yeah. Um, I just I'm gonna keep going home until we get through all of them. And then I have some ideas for maybe doing something out of the box for are not album specific, but theme specific. Yeah. 
if people are interested, if the interest is still there, I do want to spread them out. And I don't want to do six in one year. I want to, you know, a couple of years, more than enough, in my opinion. And I'm not going in the way, I'll, I'll never do a full album from the stolen versions. I will only do it when the Taylor's version comes out, because I think that's only appropriate. And I'm not going in any particular order. I'm going when it feels right. Just vibes. When that album feels right, that's when I feel right. So I am going back home for Pride in July. Mm-hmm. And I changed my name to Love. My brother's getting married. Other people are getting married. I just felt like a Pride celebration using the Lover album was the best thing to do in July. So that's it felt right. So I didn't have plan to announce it the way I announced it, but it's out there in the world now and that is happening. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's a really good way to market that out there. Love was the first album that got me into Taylor Swift. A Freudian slip, if you may, I guess having this iconic Taylor Swift guest, Love, I mistakenly called the album Lover, Love. I felt I had to correct that because I do indeed know that the album is called Lover. And I was a late Swifty. And then I I think one of the first- You did Cruel Summer. You did Cruel Summer on the street. I remember. And I was not like doing, I was practicing at home in my basement, but I was not doing drag at that point. And I was like, she did Cruel Summer. I'm so envious right now. (laughs) I remember thinking that. And I remember Ava Ray being like, yeah, she did Cruel Summer. <laughs> Step up your game, hurry up. <laughs> it was so funny. But no, I remember that. The injustice that that hasn't been released as a single. Man, it's popping its way through the charts right, right now. It's like if number they 20. Like, mm-hmm. They are smart, so maybe they will do a music video for the summer. Oh my gosh. It was such a fun... It's so campy. And I know, like, it she has, like, is. a lot of campy songs that you can really, like, parse out. And to do Cruel Summer in the middle of a pandemic is just camp. It's camp. I don't uh, care what anyone says. It was a genius idea. Thank you so much. And, like, obviously, the the pure catharsis of just, like, he looks up grinning like a devil. Like, it's just, like, let everything oh, out. Line. Yeah. Yeah. Best kiss on that line. Oh, I'm glad Devils you roll the dice. Angels roll their eyes. Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> yes. You're calling me an angel. Fun fact. My therapist told me not to roll my eyes at her one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's cruel. My responsible Taylor Swift said I'm an angel. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's so funny. That's like such yeah. a parent move. It's like, don't you dare roll your eyes at me. Well, she was right. <laughs> yeah, I just fair. didn't want to hear what I needed to hear. <laughs> It's like, we're going to listen to this better this time. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What has been your favorite moment from these Taylor Swift shows? Oh, that's a good question. Because I've had so many independently fond moments. Some are like hilarious moments. um, And others are just like, I think it's the group. It's a community. Like the people who go to those shows, we're all on the same page with one another we're all like eyes locking we're reading each other's feelings if I hear someone screaming one song that I'm doing but not the other I'm I kind of feel like I know what that person has been through in a way Mm -hmm. so I think it's just about um community building and there's 
it's a lot of the same people that go to those shows and they're not just Swifties, but they're fans of drag. Yeah. And then you convert them. Yeah. And combining the two, I'm like, that's me. Like, you know, and it's just connecting with people in that way. Doing 10 minute all too well, Taylor's version is so much fun. 10 minutes Mm -hmm. of just pure like heartbreak song is so much fun i've done it um six times now i've gotten to do that song an hour every time i love it every time i love it every time i don't miss a word it's it's just something one of those times was at a bachelorette so hey she knows who she is she we had the best time doing it i was like get up here and do it with me girl yeah it was so much fun community building bachelorette was taylor thing so when they asked me to do it i was like yes are you kidding they knew what was up branding yeah. branding folks yeah, pay attention yes, exactly. yeah uh, it was really fun okay so that community building amazing concept and that's kind of like the one of the cornerstones of drag is building community what are some of the hilarious moments that you had well also doing 10 minute Okay. <laughs> uh, all too well. I have read is a bit like you almost seem like you don't want to get married, right? That's that's I'm pretty funny. They definitely yeah. wanted to get married. It was just one of those situations where like you're really happy, but you love this heartbreak song, and I just thought it was camp to do it at a bachelorette. That's fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I agree, and so. Going back soon, folks, when will tickets be on sale for this? So I am going to have them up by June 1st is the goal. And the initial announcement, I just had to film some promo stuff. And uh, that one should be at loose time and talks with them now. Um, I had an email from them right before we got on our podcast. So that's probably where that one's going to be this time around. I do like to kind of like bounce it around a bit. Did you see their new Lucy LaDuca um, light up neon sign? They always had a loose tie light up neon sign. No, they have let loose now. No. Yes. Go look at DJ Code B's Instagram post. so funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I saw it. I was like, this is is a gag. And we love it. Obviously, they're they're like evolving into like a pseudo drag bar. There's been so many drag yes. shows at loose time. I would I would consider that a very allied. Um, it's not just a bar; it's like a restaurant as well. Like they have food and stuff. Um, they're very open to drag. They've always had drag shows there. Um, they don't have one every weekend, and I think that's also smart, like business marketing for them to have it like almost as an exclusive event. Hmm. But it's a good event. They have a really nice stage. It's easy to maneuver. Um, and the crowd can have drinks and appetizers. And it's it's a really nice place to be in. Yeah, it sounds like... Yeah, and they treat the girls really great. They have, like, a really nice thing set up in the back there for us. And they treat us really great. That is, honestly, the number one. When it goes into doing shows, like, you want to be treated well. You don't want to be getting ready in a utility closet with no mirror. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah, these small spaces are tough. It's hard out here for an artist. Um, Yeah. It gets warmer up here quicker than back home. 
Oh my goodness. I love it, but I'm also, this is going to be tough for drag this summer. 40 degrees in August. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh my God. So now we're here. It was a good transition now to talk about Ottawa because now that we've been in both cities performing, being an artist, what have been some changes that you've noticed now that you're in a new place? What feels different about your drag? Hmm. I feel like I have a better idea of who I am and what I offer, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because I came here very nervous, as I said earlier, um, but just being accepted and having like really amazing queens just tell you you're good at what you do has been really validating for me and just given me more confidence. And I think I exude that confidence more than I probably have in the past. Yeah. I think we also had an interesting privilege as having refined our art a lot back home. You and I, up until the time that we both left respectively, we were highly booked, highly blessed, highly favored. We were. And that... We got that practice in. We, oh. we did the hours that it takes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So like getting up here and, you know, I, I'm still working at, you know, becoming more discovered. But there's so many, as you were mentioning earlier, so many amazing artists in this city. But I'm trying my best to to get out for there. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's a definitely, I feel like it is, it's not. It's different drag. I feel like cities have different types of drag. Oh my God. Yeah. Because they are high energy dancers here. They can move. Like I have never seen anybody move in my life. They can move and they can do choreo. And I'm like, this is slay. I love it. Yeah. And we do have dancers back home, but like not like what we see here. Yeah, it, it is wild. Um, yeah, the first show I ever saw up here with um, Saltina and Kimmy and uh, Kiki Ko, they were all in the same show, and they all had choreographed a number they together. They can all do it all this at the, and it's so in sync. It's, I'm like, oh my god, how do you do that? How many hours of practice? Ah, I know, and like, I love it's like, amazing to watch, and they look make it look so effortless. Yeah, I know if you and I were up there, like, girl, <laughs> no, people don't like. <laughs> We'd be like turning, oh looking god, at each no, other, as like, I'm, no, girl. <laughs> I'm just, just I'm not what I do. It's. <laughs> Just probably not gonna work. <laughs> know your limits, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But is it like, is it something we can't do or something we haven't tried? That's true too. Um, I was big into musical theater and stuff and show choirs and things in high school. Um, but I was never known for dancing. Like I wouldn't get many dancing opportunities in those events because I just wasn't very coordinated. Right. I couldn't play sports either, so. I was too gay. Too gay to dance. <laughs> too gay to dance. <laughs> yeah. How's that for a paradox? Oh yeah, my. Really, though. Oh, and so you are now in a local competition. 
you am, yeah. are taking place, as I mentioned in your intro, in Ottawa's Next Drag Superstar Season 2. Season 1 winner was Caramelk, sickening performer. Oh my gosh. Amazing, yeah. And I watched that competition happen from home because at that point, a year ago, I knew that this I was probably going to move to Ottawa. So I was watching that competition very carefully from home. And yeah. watching what people were doing and they were great performers there and getting inspired of course because yeah of course i had holly on last week we had a great chat about competition culture because you and i don't come from a competition culture not a, no i have not been in a competition since like auto was my first experience with competitions like this is your first competition correct I did the naughty and nice one in December. It was the Christmas competition. Right. Yeah. How and was I that? was runner up. I was runner up in that one and Yeti had one. Snap snaps. Yeah. Good job. So that was really fun. So yeah, it was my first experience. So trying to figure out things and how it works. It's 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 a new challenge, a welcoming challenge, but it, it's really tough. It's a tough competition. And everybody's just really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And everybody does something significantly different than the next person. It's just crazy. Yeah. Do you feel like this is shaping your drag career in a different way? Yeah, I'm learning new things and like getting tips on things. So I th- I think it's important to do that. Yeah. Like I, I came here. I want to learn like this is this is why I'm here. So I am here for the critiques. I'm not taking them in a way that makes me feel like bad or anything it's just more it's just a way to challenge myself and try to learn and be better yeah and as you were observing the competition last year I am now observing the competition this year and I had messaged you and like I'll repeat it here again you look like you had so much fun last week uh yes last week was musical theater so I knew I'd have fun because I love musical theater so I did uh Mamma Mia medley and and your updated I mean, I one, love, right? Yeah, I did. I did it because I did have a previous mix mm-hmm. that I would use back home that I've used here a couple of times. But I did a new mix that had some spoken word in it to try and like give a narrative type thing. And I had a local queen make some earrings and a local queen make some bell bottoms. So, uh, so yeah, is this shout updated. out to Ruby Foxglove and shout out to Decathlon Queen? Yes, amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, am I allowed to shout them out? But, oh my God, yeah. the more name drops important. we yeah, have. Right. It's like, yeah. hello, listen. <laughs> no, they were great. Yeah. And Ruby has made, she made my earrings for the sci-fi night as well. Um, She had made me earrings and a necklace for that night as well. She was great nice. jewelry. And was that your first time experimenting with latex? Yeah. So I did a latex cone head and it took me eight hours to get in drag that day. And folks at home, it usually takes her six. i'm like three three and a half three and a half is like what i want to do because i can take my time and like be kind of a perfectionist but two and a half to three hours is usually my normal time right i it's wild to report but like i did drag twice this past week and i did a show I, i hosted my gala my university graduation gala yeah as shay yeah and I got ready in an hour and 15 minutes. No way. And I was like, oh, oh my God. My goal is 90 minutes. I mean, I wasn't corseted, but no, it, it's it's 
takes a while. And especially if you're a perfectionist in nature and wanting to get the shapes right, it, it's a process. Yeah. But eight hours to get that latex on. And did you burn your it forehead? Oh, yeah. And oh, it was awful. Yeah. Oh, and I stoned it because, you know, drama. I had stoned it. Yeah. Yeah. Like rhinestone gate in Ottawa drag. Yes. Because, yeah. like, you know, back home, pff, who cares if you have rhinestones? Yeah, we don't really stone stuff back home, but here it's, you should stone it, yeah. There's a drag economy up here in stoning. In stoning, for sure, for sure. But it looks great. It's just another tip to elevate it that next level. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Holly put it well, like, if you stand up next to someone in the same outfit, the one who's wearing stones is going to look better. It's going to look better, yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly so yeah i got pretty good at stoning yeah it uh, hurts your back you lean over and you gotta keep on doing it when i got my outfit stoned it just like reeked of e6000 but yep you know tricks of the trade if you can get high on it while you're doing it then like are you really losing some people use a mask while doing it i'm like i don't want to I'm done. I'm done with the mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point. Oh, my. <laughs> That's really true. Yeah. So we've been building our drags in uh, in different ways. I can't wait to uh, personally start working again. I yeah. am broke in drag, in drag school, in grad school. Drag and grad are anagrams. So drag school, grad school. So when I get out working again, hopefully be able to start, like, affording stuff. Like, whew. But yeah, make and do with what I have. And uh, we're slaying. We're doing it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to do if you were in school full time. It's tough to do if you work full time. Um, there's a balance. Yeah. And it's hard to find that sometimes. Yeah. Always searching for a balance in life and <sighs> in our leisure. That brings us the most fulfillment. So it's like, it's frustrating because it's like, ugh, it's like I'm doing this other thing. But then the thing I love to do is like what I staring at you in the face. I know. And like you're exhausted from anyways. It's just life. Life's a bitch. And (laughs) yeah, but it makes it all that more fun too. sometimes when you're not because it is almost a hobby. Like it's not my career. I would love it if it was, but only a very select few get to like really succeed at that type of career. And we would never have seen that back home. But there are numerous artists up here who work as drag artists. Full-time drag artists. It's very... I'm just... I'm like, I want to be you. The dream. I want to make that happen. It really is. Yeah. I've only noticed now in the last few times that I've painted that I'm finally out of my... There was something that happened to me during the pandemic, and it might have been just the pandemic itself. Because like I started drag out of the pandemic... And then it evolved very quickly into the pandemic. And, like, the pandemic happened during my big break in La Cage Fall. And so I think that drag weirdly turned into a chore after a while. And then I lost kind of, like, the enjoyment of the getting ready aspect. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. and I had a candid chat a few weeks ago how, like, you don't like the body aspect getting into the body and then i was saying how i don't like getting into the makeup but the last yep. few times that i've painted i've actually found it enjoyable so i feel like i'm getting that zest back yeah 
when I paint my face, I find it very therapeutic. I find that it shuts off all of the back talk in my brain because I'm focused on what I'm doing. And the same thing happens to me when I'm at the gym. I'm focused on what I'm doing and everything else kind of shuts off. And it's very much a meditation type process. Without meditating. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it takes so long because I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'm just like, I'm not in my head about something for the first time all week. Yeah. It's meditative. Like a lot of people have so many distraction things in their lives that they just feed into. But if you're hyper-focused on something that you're doing, it's like a whole, like it's a rest for your brain. Yeah. And like, I've been on like a meditation kick for like the last few months. So like I, that's my mindfulness time that I get to like turn off my thoughts. But yeah, we just do the best that we can for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to take a quick little break here and then let's get to talking about hosting. Yeah. And not that kind of hosting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we have had lots of experiences ourselves as hosts in events. I would like to hear about some of your hosting experiences. What things have you learned from hosting your own events that you feel would be beneficial for someone who wants to be a host themselves? Sure. Well, I said it before, I'm very vulnerable sometimes when I host. I'm autobiographical leading into what song I'm doing. And I think if you're honest and just expressing what you're about to do to someone and leading it into your song is really important. I'm not quite a banter with the audience girl. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite like, I'll poke fun at you, you poke fun at me, because I'm not the best at that. I'm always afraid I'm going to come across as a bitch or something. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of focus around just telling a narrative. And I think it's really important to listen to people speak that you look up to. So public figures who are used to talking to the public. So obviously I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift monologues. Another person I listen to is Princess Diana. So I watch all of her interviews and how she speaks to people and try and dissect what it is she's saying and why we're connecting to her. And if you find a couple of icons that you can look up to and share values with and listen to how they talk to people, you can kind of be able to express yourself in the way that they are with your own little twist on it. Yeah. Could you give us a little bit of Diana right now? <laughs> Not unless I'm in full costume. Okay. No, it doesn't come to you until on, then. On the accent. Yes. Yeah. So I'm working on the accent now. Mm-hmm. That is also a process is trying to nail an accent because I'm not the best. And I can do a Newfoundland accent, <laughs> no problem. But I'm also a person who can't quite get into drag character without being in the getup. Totally fair. My gosh. And I'm glad that you brought up listening to like other people speak and do stuff like that. Because one of the original questions that I was going to have for like guests is what was one of your favorite speeches or interaction moments that have happened with a celebrity that you look up to? 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, Snatch Game is coming up. How do you feel about the day that this podcast episode comes out? Snatch Game is happening. By the time it comes out, you'll already be at the gig and see me in my Diana getup. So I am doing Diana, which is why I'm reluctant to (laughs) share with you the accent, which I may butcher, I may not. Who knows what will happen? The stress might kick in and I might flop, but I do have a lip sync plan that I'm really excited about and it's something that's important to me because Diana was engraved at such a young age to me as like the woman who did all these amazing things she was in my grandmother's dining hall like a big portrait of her and I remember just being a little gay kid and being like who is that woman I don't like there's pictures of your whole family who is this random woman yeah and just having my grandmother explain who she was and what she did, first of all, Princess, you got me. I'm hooked. You say Princess, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. But then once she started to, I remember her explaining like the things she did and how much people loved her. And it was after that explanation, it might have been months, it might have been a year, that the actual tragedy happened where she had passed away. And um, my grandmother never took that picture down. And when my grandmother died, my grandfather never took that picture down. Wow. Um, It was up there. Yeah, I do believe one of my uncles has it. And I do believe I'm going to be messaging my family because I really want it. That's the one inheritance you want from your family. Yeah, I want it. Yeah, I want it more than anything. I want it so bad. I don't know. She did a lot. Come on. Like, yes. Oh, my God. The iconic video of her shaking hands with the the person suffering from AIDS. Like, that was revolutionary. Yeah. Walking through a minefield. Like, come on. Who else was doing that back then? No one. Exactly. I have a hot tip when it comes to accents. I would love to hear it. Because this is my field. I am going away in a few weeks to learn all about the voice in Utah. And one thing that's very beneficial for accent acquisition, instead of listening to her, also watch her mouth when she's talking. Because people who talk with a British accent have different mouth movements. They do, yeah. And watching where the mouth and the lips go, like you can see, you can see accents sometimes when people are like lip syncing and stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. the way they're just moving their lips. So if listening to it is not eliciting as much of an accent as you would like, mimic the mouth gestures that she is doing because that will help lead itself to more of that accent production right that makes total sense yeah yeah so you have a few days (laughs) (laughs) to really like stare at her mouth oh my gosh so we're gonna take another little quick break here when we get back uh we would like to hear some of love's advice for hosts All right, so the folks at home or on the road or whatever they might be doing are so curious to know, and they need your help, love. How do they become better hosts? What do you have to give them as advice? I would say to practice and to articulate your words. Because if you are not articulating your words on the microphone, people are not understanding what you're saying. And you may have to 
over articulate your words on the microphone just because you're probably in a bar atmosphere where you have to really pay attention to what you're saying and how you're saying it. And that would be my biggest advice. You're speaking my love language because (laughs) obviously articulating that is my future career that, yeah, you need to... Yeah, and hold the mic close. Don't... It's... Put it up to your face. Mm Mm-hmm. It won't bite you. Yeah. The only time that it's, like, useful to take a mic away from your face, I think, is when you have, like, the ums and uhs, like... Me, you, yeah, yeah, I do that. You all might the be time. in the yeah. middle of a I'm thought. I'm like person, so yeah, absolutely, you're right. Yeah, it's funny because I had read a book, and there are actually like seven functions for the word like, and oh. depending on context, and the thing is, is that I think that our society demonizes the word like and shames it. And I don't think that there's really any grounding for that because I think a lot of it is a rooted in misogyny. And I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And B, we need these connectors in our thoughts. I think that like serves as this, this beautiful little chain between ideas. And I think that we don't need to be as critical on ourselves about it. Alexandra Darcy, a prominent sociolinguist from the University of Victoria in British Columbia, is one of the leading researchers on the use of the word like. And she's quoted in a Faces of UVic research YouTube video by saying, one of the things I'm interested in is like. That's a little word that we really, really don't like at all. And we want to blame young girls who we think are destroying the language and sounding dumb and inarticulate. At the end of the day, like has been a part of the English language for well over 200 years. So we can find speakers today in their 70s, 80s, and 90s around little villages in the United Kingdom, for example, who use like in many of the same ways that young girls are using it today. Language is rich and wonderful and amazing. And one thing that's true about language is that we really don't like change and we're good at finding and attributing fault. Having likes on the mic, fine. Fine and dandy. Having likes in real life, don't worry about it. It is just as helpful for you as the speaker as it is for the listener. So it turns into white noise anyways. So true. I can't like talk to someone and then recall how many times they said the word like <laughs> it's a hard word to like to like not use do you know what i mean what a prime example <laughs> it is it just i don't know i don't know what it is but i think we are unjustly cruel to the word like and it's fine same as ums and us my worst thing are ands because my ands are so loud for some reason and i can see the waveform when i'm on audacity and audit i've never noticed that though see i guess if you're not really paying attention you don't notice it do you use audacity to edit stuff too garage band garage band okay well i'm not i'm a pc girl and there's i can wrecking oh do they do waveforms on garage band too yeah you can see it Yeah, yeah yeah you can see it i know what an um looks like now And I can see it. Yeah. Even before listening to it, either myself or the guest. So I try to do 
as many eliminations as the ums as I can. But at the same time, it's like it, it renders it a bit more robotic. Like I said, the mm-hmm. ums and the likes and stuff are very beneficial for the, the listener. Yeah. Um, um, so, love, you are someone who practices mindfulness when it comes to makeup when it comes to going to the gym, being present with what you're doing. Do you have three things that you'd like to share with the listeners that you are grateful for either today or this week or in general? Sure. I'm grateful for my family and friends. They are all healthy. They are all supportive. And that is the biggest thing I'm grateful for. Everybody is doing well. And that's the biggest thing you can ask for when it comes to the people that you love. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for um, my life decisions. I feel like I've made big decisions and I feel like they have worked out beneficially for my life. And lastly, I am grateful for my dog, Monica, because I love her and oh she is craving attention for me and she is just in the other room and I can hear her and I'm like I love you I'll be there soon (laughs) so I love my dog and I loved all my dogs so Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a dog person she's a dog oh yeah so those are three things those were easy they came really fast yeah do you find (laughs) that you (laughs) are grateful in your normal day-to-day yeah um i another um (laughs) (laughs) grateful for um yes yeah i'm happy with my career outside of drag and everything seems really great with the work environment i'm in i'm happy in my new place that i'm living it's just i don't know i've never felt this much at peace before it's crazy i just feel so good (laughs) that is so lovely i'm like should i feel bad for saying that because people aren't you know some people aren't quite feeling that way but it's been a very long journey to feel that way for me at least yeah and let me spread some wisdom that i learned from one of my favorite social science researchers brene brown and um, love her yeah yeah okay so well love you need to lean into joy that is yeah, one of right. her tenets yeah. you know the the thing that really messes us up in this life is that when things are good, we wait for the other shoe to drop. And it... That's so valid. Yeah, and so we don't take the time to really nestle into things that are going well. So yeah, look at you. You're in a new city. Your drag career is thriving. Your real career is thriving. You are living in a nice place. You keep getting closer to me, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be living with you next. I know. <laughs> You're going to like hop over Rideau River and then you'll be right here at my doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're allowed. You're entitled to lean into those things because they are well worth it. And it's not for you not working at it. That's for sure. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So let's take Brene Brown's uh, wisdom and put it to good use because... I'm really good at like listening and then it goes out the other year, but you've touched on so many of her aspects throughout this. So I could tell that you already are aware of her because one of the things that you do as a host is you're vulnerable. And what's the name of one Mm -hmm. of her books? The Power of Vulnerability. Yeah. You know? And I think as queer people, 
as artists, as hosts, we have the privilege of having people sit with us when things aren't great and wanting to share our vulnerabilities with them because they are there on the receiving end. And there's nothing more that we desire as a human than to have people sit with us when stuff is really challenging and we want to turn away from the world. So true. Yeah. So good for you. Good for Joy. And I hope you continue to lean into it. I um, was being more present for myself today. So things that I'm grateful for are the smell of the outdoors a day after rain. It smelled so lush and vibrant today outdoors. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, I was outside most of the day. It was very nice. Same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was sitting out on my patio just enjoying it. I also am grateful, you know, given my background, knowing how to navigate a library because I had to go and pick up a library book today and it was like the Dewey Decimal Codes and like... Oh, yeah. That takes me back. Mm -hmm. So I had to find like QP306T58 book in the library. I was like, oh, I'm grateful for knowing how Mm -hmm. to do that. That's not just like a pedestrian task that someone can do. And something that I was also grateful for, and you did it as well yesterday, shameless rest. We took time to rest and recover. There was not a moment yesterday during my rest that I was like, you got to be productive. You got to be doing things. You got to be at it. Because that's another Brene Brown thing Mm -hmm. is that our self-worth is reflected with our productivity and busyness is a status symbol and i was like nope i'm just doing nothing today and yeah so those are my gratitudes and it's a good one yeah i i think that we need to not chastise ourselves as much when it comes to rest we are animals we require (laughs) rest we do yeah and we don't hibernate so exactly like we it's not our cycle so it's important to rest you are right yeah and rest is not a reward it is a right you know yes exactly so yeah no that was good to delve into that i love how you love Brene brown she saved me really a lot of the ways throughout the pandemic yeah i was big on her throughout the pandemic as well yeah this is this is our invisible string Tying me yeah, to you. Yeah. <laughs> Brene Brown. Yeah. Listen, it is... I've listened to so many interviews and everything. So much wisdom. And there's a lot to learn in, like, positive psychology and just, like, psychological interactions in general. Lord knows there's a lot of people in our lives that have different afflictions, possibly, that we want to psychoanalyze. That's for sure. I would like to do that to a lot of people, if I'm totally honest. I Sometimes I think I should have went to school for that instead of what I did do, because I am fascinated by psychology. And if you looked at my bookshelf, you would see books about psychology and things. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, if anything I perpetuate in this world, you can still do your master's in your 30s. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So we talked, obviously, uh, Taylor Swift came up a lot about in this podcast and a lot of self 
help, self-love, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. What are you listening to lately or reading or vibing with? What's helping getting you through these days? Um, that is a good question. I currently listen to a lot of what I'm going to do for Ottawa's Next Drag Superstar and do a lot of the edits. And that's kind of where my main focus is with music right now. Um, And if I have the odd gig, it's usually songs that I've done before or a song that I just know really well because I don't quite have the time to learn anything other than what I'm trying to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, Reading, I'm mostly on the audiobook type thing right now. I was listening to the new Hunger Games book. It's nice to just escape the real world and go into a new world where things aren't real. So I do like to listen to fiction audiobooks to kind of escape a little bit. Nice. And is that like your favorite genre, kind of like the YA fiction for escapism? Yes, but I do like historical fiction is my absolute favorite. Same. Historical fiction. Stop. How are we the same person? Yeah. (laughs) I know. I see I knew. And then I was like, I looked you up. And (laughs) (laughs) you're like on my Goodreads too. Um, How about uh, podcasts? Podcasts. I'm listening to your podcast. I do that at work now. Love it. So, you know. The second you put it up, I'm like tuning in. I know people hate Joe Rogan, but I do listen to Joe Rogan. And it's, uh, yes, he's problematic, but, you know, sometimes you got to listen to different people. Look at that open-mindedness. Yeah, you're going to meet people like that in real life. And I think there are more problematic people in the world than Joe Rogan. Totally fair. I will tell you that the biggest reason I listen to him is because he interviews like UFO people and alien people. And that is where my biggest interest lies is like, hmm, yes. tell me about the UFOs <laughs> and the monsters. Like, that's... How do we get out of here? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm so random with my podcast. Like I'll get in this mood and I'll just type in like any sort of thing that I'm interested at that point, whether, whether it be like, the royal family i might just type that in and listen to a podcast about it do you know what i mean yeah it's not specific shows like cherry picking different episodes not necessarily yeah. subscribing to the overall podcast yeah, channel it's the topic yeah i like anything oh um i have another group of friends and it's they have like a creepy podcast meddling kids podcast love it Another Newfoundland and Labrador grown. Yeah. Yeah. Some more local babes just vibing, doing their thing. Yeah. They like spooky shit. So I love spooky shit. So obviously. Life is spooky. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and they have a Mothman tattoo. And I'm so envious because I'm like, I can't get a Mothman tattoo, but I would love a Loch Ness Monster tattoo. Um, folks who have never met Love, Love actually has seven face tattoos. No. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine just get like... a teardrop on my eye tattoo. <laughs> you don't want to know where that came from. <laughs> the hoops she had to jump through to get that one in particular. Yeah. Oh, my love. This has been a really fun time to chat. 
I agree. It's always nice to catch up. Yeah. We had a chat, you know, I, I cheers to with Screech and you had a Screech run in recently with your Ottawa's yes. Next Drag Superstar. How did that go? I screeched some people in and I took a little too long because my timing wasn't great. But you know what? It's fine. I was safe and we got three new honorary Newfoundlanders and that's what counts. Yes. It's just... You didn't get your duds in order quick enough, did you? I wish I had more time to, like, set up the actual screech so I didn't have to, like, grab someone to actually pour the screech. Oh, there were things yeah. that I could have uh, worked out a little bit better, and that would have sped things up a little bit for me. So, lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe I'll perfect it. But I don't think I'll ever do it for a competition again. <laughs> it is quite a curse, I believe, at this point in time. It's with, tough, yeah. With Newfoundlanders on different big stages doing the screechins and Newfoundland related stuff, just not excelling to the point that we wish we would. Yeah. It's hard because you almost have to explain what it is to people before you do it. You need to send her like a memo. If you just do it, people don't understand what you're doing. You do have to put some context behind it. And that does kind of take up your time as well. Yeah, but you educated the masses. I mean, we have the most culture in Canada, so it's important for us to really bring that forward to different places that we go. I'm glad you're spreading our Newfie charm within the city. It was fun. Listen, I'd probably do it again. Yeah. I was still safe at the end of the day, so... Exactly. And it's a fun thing to improv as well. To, to it is and it's very not me it's not kind of what i do mm-hmm. but i can do it because obviously i'm from newfoundland and i know how to do it but it's not something i do very often yeah i would say the same i've screeched in a few people as shay but it's not shay's gig shay's not no, even from exactly. newfoundland <laughs> yeah so uh my gosh but i loved watching it um if you ever want the full video i've recorded all that i saw on uh instagram but oh great okay up to you where speaking of the instagrams where can we find you so my instagram is the drag queen love um and so is my twitter and those are and and my tiktoks those are my three I don't have Facebook. I keep that just to my boy self. And even then, I don't go on it. Don't really check it ever. I don't open the app ever. Well, this has been fantastic. And I'm sure at one point, we will end up in a show together. I know. Yeah. (laughs) We've been doing like two different drag journeys as we've been here um you have obviously Ottawa's next drag superstar next thursday do you have any other shows you'd like to plug the only other things coming up after that are shows back home which would be the uh taylor swift lover pride show i'm doing and then i am joining paradise the town of paradise again for their pride show in july uh that one is july 15th amazing and that one will be um 19 plus event this year they have advised advised me so okay excited to go back to my hometown and do another pride event you're going to paradise (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) 
That's yeah. so good. Well, love. The streets I used to dance around. The streets you used to dance around As on. As a little kid with pants on my head pretending I was Sailor Moon and the Little Mermaid. Oh, and the power we get to go back as queer artists. Yeah, I know. Is incomparable. So continue spreading your love and your light with the world. And I'm sure that we will continue to see nothing but success with you. Thank you. And thank you so much again for having me. I was super excited when you asked. I was like, yay. (laughs) It's my pleasure. I love podcasts. Maybe we'll do it again. Who knows? Who knows where this podcast is going? It is a brain baby now. It's developing. It's in its toddler years learning to talk, you know. And soon enough, it will be mature. So thanks for being here on the journey with me. Yay. Thank you again. Toast Mistresses is written and produced by Shay Moi, hosted by Shay Moi, edited by, you guessed it, Shay Moi, and sponsored by Display Rules. 